Blood Brothers Podcast of Five Pillars Production. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh, my dear brothers, sisters, friends, and the foes out there, and welcome to the season finale of the Blood Brothers Podcast with your host, Didi Hussein. Before I introduce today's guest, I want to remind all the avid podcast listeners that you can find this show on all the major audio platforms. And if you're tuning in via YouTube on the Five Pillars YouTube channel, click subscribe, leave a comment, like this video. Today's guest and my choice for the 100th episode of uh, season two is someone who recently, in recent months at least, uh, has been addressing tens and thousands of Muslim youth across England in Masajid and elsewhere. He's a youth activist and a da'i hailing from London and someone whose work I've been monitoring very closely for some time and recently has blew up, metaphorically that is of course, uh, and that is none other than our dear brother, Akhi Ayman. Assalamu alaikum. Habib wa alaikum assalam, Akhi. May Allah bless you. Amin. What's going on? Habib wa I'm, I'm, I'm so happy that, you know, I'm honoured that you chose me to be, you know, the uh, last guy, Akhi. Yeah, yeah. Alhamdulillah. And we, we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that he he, yeah, he accepts this, Akhi. You know, this is this is a great opportunity to even sit down with you as well. So I appreciate it. Jazakallah khairan. The honour is mutual, Habibi. May Allah bless you, my bro. Right, let, let, let the people get to know you a little bit. Naam. Right, I know there's people who are already following you, no. mashallah, amongst mm. the shabab, amongst the youth. There'll be others, perhaps of an age, an older demographic, mm. that may not know of you. They may be seeing your videos, but don't know much about you. So let's, let me ask you a few questions. If you, and, Akhi, and, and, we already and, and feel free to know, comment some of them as well. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. What's this? Uh, what do we have? The feds in the back or yeah, something? Yeah, yeah. We, we got them record, right? Yeah, yeah, okay, okay. Let's do it. What's your age? I'm 30 years old. 30. Alhamdulillah. Where's motherland? Motherland, I was born in Iraq, you know, Mosul. Um, I came to this country when I was actually nine years old. So I actually lived in Iraq for quite a good time for me to experience the hard life and living in poverty as well. Uh, a man of uh, one of seven siblings. So I, I lived that gratitude lifestyle of having less. And it was amazing, to be honest. The less we had, the more happy we were back in Iraq. But seemed like when we came here the more we get the less miserable the more miserable we become and something i haven't told a lot of people is that before we came to this country i was actually in Syria, due in 9 11. so we went because we couldn't catch a direct flight from iraq mm -hmm. we caught a flight from Syria. so while we was in Syria, i was there for about six to eight months and then i remember what this in 9 11 and that was the first time i ever saw something so outrageous and it was live on every single channel how old were you when you came to the uk i'm uh, nine years old mm -hmm. how many brothers how many siblings do you have i've got four brothers three sisters four brothers and three sisters nah. are they all in the uk they're all in the uk apart from my older brother he's gone back to iraq currently uh, but he comes and goes comes and goes uh, where do you fit in the in the order bang of the in sibling? the middle the three child, siblings yeah. younger than me middle child, brother. yeah my come on there's something it's special the, about middle children oh, you know is the middle child yeah that makes a difference in families, you know. That's what yeah. I've realized. In every family, it's always the middle child. There is something about the middle you know child. Alhamdulillah. It's either good, bad, or ugly, but it's all in with middle children, isn't it? It's got to be done, man. And um, where's Hood? Where's your mana? Where, 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 where were you raised? I remember the f as soon as as soon as I came here, it had to be one, the one and only gutter, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Lusham, 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 Southeast London. I can't lie to you when I did come here and think, wow, like it's so different. The roads are so smooth. Yeah. Back in Iraq, there's a bit rocky roads. <laughs> Here, Allahumma barak, it was smooth roads. And I remember 
looking around and I'm like, Allahumma barik like, but bear in mind, I'm not going to be, you know, hiding or being around the bush. I've never seen so much black people in one area because Lusham is, 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 is known to be yes. a, a black community. So alhamdulillah, when I came to the area, it was like, I can somewhat fit in, not because of the race side of things, but our cultures are very, very similar. And this is where I got along with a lot of people. And till today, majority of the guys that were around me from growing up were black boys. Mm. And um, happy days, man. Muslims and non-Muslims. Muslims and non-Muslims. I hardly had any non-Muslim friends, to be honest. I never even had anyone that's my complexion mm. that was my friend in, in you know, growing up. It was just all, you know, my friends were all black. So what was the biggest culture shock, if any, when you first landed in the UK? Actually, 9-11 had a big toll on us. So coming to the UK and being blamed for 9-11 because I'm from Iraq and at the same time being bullied. I'm not going to lie to you. We did get bullied. I didn't know how to speak English. There was uh, there was a lot of times where people would pick on me and I'm not going to speak for my younger siblings, but I'll speak for myself. But there was a lot of bullying involved. Um, a lot of food thrown in your face. Was well, that the kind of standard thing that kind of refugee asylum seeking yeah, faced? Yeah, yeah. I remember a lot, of, a lot of Kurds and Albanians faced that when we were in school. Hundred, yeah. From fellow Muslims, by the way. Is it? Yeah, Subhanallah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What area was you from then? When Bedford. you were suffering? Yeah, so when we were in Bedford, oh, wow. so we, 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 had brother, we had Albanian brothers from Kosovo because no. what was happening there. No. We had brothers from Afghanistan that came mm. and Kurds from Iraq as no. well. Um, they were, the vast majority were all Muslim. But because they didn't have to speak English, yeah. they, they moved a bit mad. Some of them looked bare older than us, right? In terms of age, so there's always that. Okay, makes sense. I'm not gonna lie to you. When when the situation did happen like that for me and my <coughs> brothers, I'm gonna speak like I said. I'm gonna speak for myself. Mm. Alhamdulillah, I had the black brothers around me that actually backed me all the time, and I feel like there's a form of um, uh, connecting with one another because I think they had some sort of like connection with their past as well slavery so on and so forth so when they saw me from a different background and i'm getting picked on and so on and so forth they can they know their hearts were soft towards me so to an extent so when you experience that in schools but the perpetrators non-muslims phenomenally yeah yeah yeah. it was non-muslims right so for you it was completely different for me it was just non-muslims and Uh, we were the only muslims you could say in, in my school you ever been in prison yes uh how many times once, but long, three different prisons in long, one sentence. How long was the stretch? Uh, just over two years. What was it for? I prefer not to say not to expose my sin, well, yeah. Say, but 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 it was involving in hurting someone pretty bad. Okay. Pretty bad. Did you feel at the time it was justified? I believe at the time it was justified, but Subhanallah, while I found a lot of information about the person that we hit up, mm-hmm. um, when I came out of jail, I did go to see him. I did apologize to him. I did break it down to him. And the reason why uh, we actually went ahead and, and done the crime against him, he understood and he knew that the person that was actually telling me to do this with him mm-hmm. was nothing but a liar and something, uh, someone that just had hate towards him. And little did I know he was Muslim as well. So, so I had to ask him for forgiveness. So basically next man set next man up. Literally. And there was an in-house family issues that I didn't know about. So it just resulted in me going to prison because of the situation. But when I found that he was Muslim when I was in jail, I said, I have to see these. He has to be one of the first people I see. So Alhamdulillah, at least he forgave me. And uh, till today, I still see him. And and I came out of jail 2014. When jail 012. 
Um, you've been stabbed, right? No. How many times? I've been stabbed twice. Twice. Tell me how many times. Two occasions. Uh, so on the two, how many times in each occasion? Both occasions was actually once. Oh, so it's both occasions was actually up. once. Okay. So the first occasion was at a train station. Okay. And there was a boy I remember from my area. Um, we actually ended up having a lots of fights before I went to jail. But he became a Muslim while I was in prison. So when I came out of jail, I'm going to a dentist appointment. I'm not going to lie to you, Dilly, yeah? We didn't look after our teeth in jail, no, innit? I'm going to be honest <laughs> with you, yeah? Especially when... Um, People struggle with teeth now, bro. I'm telling you, so it's like, especially when the gov doesn't like you yeah. and you go to the block for fighting, you get no toiletries, you get... No, but they tell you, yo, use your fingers to brush your teeth. So Rough. I had a whole day, a whole day. Okay. A root canal maybe needed to be done. Okay. So I was on my way to a dentist appointment. I see one guy and I recognise him and I'm like, oh, my, like... I was a bit on the edge because it's him and two of our youths mm. and I'm by myself. I've made the oath to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I'm not going to go back to my old sick and twisted ways. I just want to make my parents proud, especially seeing my mother come to visit me in Jawahi. It was a big, like a, I, I couldn't let her go through that procedure of being searched, getting taken into a separate room and looking underneath her headscarf. I said, nah, that can't happen. Mm. So when I saw this guy at a train station, I said, you know what, I'm just going to leave it. But he clocked me. He realized this me, came over. Assalamu alaikum. I said, Ra, wa alaikum. So he said, you Muslim now, yeah? He goes, yeah, man, I took my shahada. We're talking. We're getting to know each other. I'm, I'm sorry, we're uh, forgiving each other and so on and so forth. The moment he left the train station, I see him through like a little gap through the fence. He actually took out a knife and gave it to one of his guys. The guy pulls up in the train station. I didn't know these times. My train's just pulling up. I was helping a lady uh, with a buggy to go on the train. But as I was helping her, because the platform... Southeastern trains, yeah. they're a bit high. I slipped and buckled into the train. As I've buckled, he's going to swing in my back. But alhamdulillah, me buckling completely made him miss me. And in that process, I've turned around, the lady shouting, I'm trying to fight him, I'm trying to close, I'm just trying to get to my dentist appointment, mm -hmm. for goodness sake, man. I'm in pain already. Yeah. <laughs> so this guy's trying to inflict pain, but I'm going back and forth, I'm trying to close the door. He's opening it and making sure that it doesn't close. Next thing you know, I kicked him with my left leg. In his chest, as he's falling back, he stabs me right here in my thigh, like just around the kneecap. And it was my kneecap that stopped it. He ran away screaming out, yes, out of excitement. And, you know, the train ended up not moving and ambulance turned up. And it, it was just a headache. I was more angry at the fact that I didn't go to my dentist's appointment than going to the hospital and getting some stitches. So... So the second incident? That was the first one. So, so the second one? The second one. And bear in mind, Dilia, I, I knew where this person lived. I made the oath to Allah and I made the oath to my family, like my mum and dad. And these times, my brothers are already in jail. Both of them. The same day I went to jail, they both caught a shooting case and a stabbing case. Did you move with your brothers? What do you mean move? Like, like, like did you move about with your brothers? Yeah, oh, that's three musketeers, man. What's that was age? us. What's the age difference between them? A one year gap each. Bro. So I'm like, I'm like, uh, me and my brothers like a six year gap. But me and my little brothers, both of my little brothers, were like a year gap each. So you guys are like what they'd call Irish twins. Ah, oh, bruv, you have no idea. Oh, yeah. I haven't heard that. What's a new one? Yeah, so Irish twins is basically when there's like nine to 12 months between siblings. Yes, it's there you Irish go. Twins. And the reason why they should say that is the American show because Irish should have big families. Yeah. You see, so... That's a, no, I'm definitely going to use that now. Alhamdulillah. So, look, two recent videos have been doing the rounds. No. Uh, the the Masjid Humera. Yes. Where the Shabab came out, Bay Youngsters came out, yeah. to meet you and greet you and that. And then a very recent event at Islam Mosque yes. did as well. Nam. I think around two and a half thousand 
predominantly. Oh, more than Allahumma Barak. Yeah, they talk about four or five. It was, uh, they said it was the biggest um, youth, event, youth event in, in history, yeah. alhamdulillah. So, 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 so we're talking serious numbers. We're talking about thousands of Muslim youth no. attending, taking the time out of their life where there's many a distractions now. No. Many a distraction for them not to come to an Islamic talk no. or talk pertaining to the faith. No. Yet they are. They're coming to you. They're gravitating towards you. They're pulling towards you. How does that make you feel? Regarding regarding the situation, um, regarding the situation with ELM, I think it was my fault. They did ask me, let's make a haul, but I'm the type of person I don't like money to be spent. Mm. So let's just do it in a masjid. But every single person you saw in those videos are people that actually couldn't get in. So the masjid was already full, three floors. Mm. Everyone you saw, they're just going mad and they were getting told mixed stories and so on and so forth. And do not get me wrong. Sometimes when you see a crowd like that, it affects the heart. So you have to renew oh. your intentions. You have to renew your intentions. Like, ya Allah, like, I'm doing this for you, Allah. I don't like this fame. I had fame back in the day in my area. Why am I trying to get fame now? The more I stay away from it, the more Allah has given it to me. And like you said, only recently I blew up the internet in other words, Akhi, but I've been doing this that with him, going to different massages, going to churches and youth clubs from seven years ago, bro. Yeah. And I've never ever recorded. We've been, fa we've been Facebook friends Naam. for a good while. Go at least six years. 100%. And you were doing youth activities then. Exactly. And, and talking about Islamophobia, prevent, loads of stuff. All of that. All of that. Yeah. Naam. But it's the last six to 12 months. The, I, was a, I would say from Ramadan. Yeah. Ramadan was a boost it was just kicked in everybody was getting the videos and people like oh look okay has got his own channel i don't have my own channel you don't i don't record my own content you only have a tiktok don't you just a tiktok and instagram instagram that's it no youtube channel no youtube no channel twitter. no nothing no so oh twitter yes i do some afros okay. forgive me yeah but so, there's no following i don't post nothing so when when you have to kind of renew your intention kind of reflect upon why you're doing it how easy do you fall into it, if ever? Like, you know what, this is mad. It's like gas, like raw. Masjid Tawheed was actually the first time I said, whoa. Because I went to the front, I sat down, and something in my head was telling me, do not look up, do not look up. Akhi, do not look up. I looked up, and I saw the crowd. And Masjid Tawheed is one of the biggest masjid in London. I looked up and said, I was so overwhelmed that like, these people really came out of their way to see myself. I'm a nobody, bro. Mm -hmm. I'm not a person of knowledge. I'm not an imam. I'm not talib al-ilm. But I've always wanted to strive to be an imam. Like, you know, Imam Shakil from, from Lucia Mashad. And he himself was waiting. Allahumma ameen. Like, he's waiting for me to say, Amen. I want to hand over that role to you. Mm -hmm. But there's a long way for me to go. You understand? So when I saw the Akhi, my heart was doing bits. I'm fighting myself now. I'm fighting my own demons. What, no, renew your intentions. Renew your intentions. And it's quite hard. How are you managing things like um, sisters messaging you on social media and stuff? How you oh, that's that? a bit peak, I'm not going to lie to you. I don't want to be smiling and you know, being over. How do you It could be anything from an innocent query, Naam. like a genuine innocent query, uh, to more saucier kind of things. Yes. So how do you manage this? They, I do share my accounts with my wife. Okay, alhamdulillah. So alhamdulillah, there was but there was times, especially on Facebook, when from back in the day, as I always put in brackets, share the account, husband and wife share the accounts. So any sisters that did reach out, my wife would reply to them and so on and so forth. But as time was gone on, because um, my accounts got hacked and I ended up making a new account, actually I just 
they're just coming in. Some of them, I reply back to them. Some of them, I don't because they're quite Not graphic, uh, detailed content on there or uh, very graphical messages. I, I, I keep away from. Every public male Muslim figure, mm. uh, especially in kind of the more Islamic activism mm. and, and da'wah scene, uh, the conversation of polygyny is something normal, right? Yes. Uh, many have done it. Many are actively doing it. Mm. Um, it's a conversation the brothers have in private, in public. We have those smiles and sniggers that we no. we, we know the no. we know the drill. Um, at what point did that ever become a conversation? Oh, like when you when you're just to let you know, Diddy, there's you, a brother in this room. Allahumma barak akhi. That has two wives himself. Mashallah, you know what I'm saying? So big up to him. Big yeah? up to him. Big up to you, akhi. Capital letters, akhi. You know what I'm saying? But um, but Allahumma barak. Look. I have been told by people of knowledge yeah. and I know my missus may not like this, but I have to speak what's the truth because mm. we're amongst men now. Of course. You know what I'm saying? There's been people of knowledge saying, Akhi, you have this image. We are scared for you that you may fall on your face flat. So to save yourself, not to say that you disrespect your wife, Akhi, get married again. And I'm, like, like, it's never been on my mind. I'm going to be honest with you, but when do you got people of knowledge telling you this? Because they've seen what has happened to people that have actually got a platform. And didn't and, do it. And didn't do it. They fall into madness. We I see. give you a prime example, Akhi. I went to a sister's house to pick up some charity clothes because we was we were sending containers to Syria. Man pulled up to the house, Akhi. X-rated. Open the door. Madness. As know, soon as I opened the door. Did she know you were picking up the clothes? Did she knew I was picking up because I'm the one that called. I said, look, I'm coming to pick up. I've been told. She knew it was me. Opened the door. Madness. I freaking Billah. Kept it moving. But this is the risk though. And I'm not going to lie to you, Akhi. Some people say, but Akhi, no, no, Masha. Akhi Ayman's a good looking guy and this and that. So, you know, why not? I, I'm going to be honest with you, Akhi. I find myself to be a very ugly person. And well, I'll tell you why. Well, like, I merely asked... <laughs> I merely asked, when did the conversation happen, Yanni? And you're giving me a full tafsir of the story. Tafsir has to be involved, okay. <laughs> The chronology of events. Do you know what is, is, is If shaitan can't get to you, yeah. shaitan will use people to attack you. Sir. So if you're doing your moon and even adhkar, it would use someone else to come and destroy your image, your figure, 100%. your respect, your care that you have for your community, and your status. I think on the issue of polygyny, because all brothers, lads, banter aside, it's a, it's, it's, it's a serious affair. Mm. Uh, and, and for someone to manage it uh, and to do justice by it, as per no. the sunnah, requires a certain caliber of men as well. 100%. Um, Shout out to you, brother. And, and I think one of the reasons why the people of knowledge around you that have advised you this, and, and a lot of up and coming and young du'at and no. activists, the reason why they get that is because as your public content and output increases, mm. You are more exposed to the community, no. so and uh, one of the desirability factors of a male is how he flourishes in 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 a social gathering. Hundred percent. Right? So leadership skills and stuff like this is yes. very desirable, very yes. attractive. So the reason why many ulama they advise those who their students or the ones that they're coaching or nurturing mm. or advising, they say, look, just to avoid a mazah later on. Hundred percent. Someone of your caliber 
because of the traveling reasons as well, you know, a second or a third no. or a fourth, no. maybe something you may have to consider with justice. Not 100%. That's why I asked you, I thought, when did this become a conversation or consideration for you? Because to say that any public Muslim figure with a significant following, to say that we've never had this conversation, I believe you'd be lying. No, no, you'd be lying to yourself, be lying, Akhi. Be lying, so. How can you look at yourself in the mirror? Yeah. Because every man, Akhi, the conversation comes up. No man could go back, Akhi, the only time you would lie, you go back to your wife and like, yeah. if your wife goes, oh, you and your friend might be talking about it, we're like, no, nah, man, what are you talking about? Like, <laughs> you're overreacting, relax. Yeah. But in reality, you are. The conversation comes up where men were not to say, Akhi, come on, bro. Look, yeah, yeah, look, it's our weakness yeah, as men, and, and, and I think I think one of the things, just not 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 to stick on this point too much, I think the issue of polygyny. There's 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 the whole lads banter about it. No, uh, there's a healthy way and there's certainly unhealthy ways of doing. It. And then there's those who are actually serious. No. And, to, and to prevent a greater fitna, they do need to obviously consider. Yes, and when you're in the public Muslim role, no. that conversation becomes more. Be careful really, what you're saying, Didi. Yeah. I don't know what you're, are you trying to indicate. No, that? I'm just yani, yo. Amen, do you? Nah, um, <laughs> yeah. I get G checked at home, Akhi. Let's just say that. Okay. But you, yeah. said, you said you consider yourself to be an ugly person. I'll tell you why, Akhi. Or something yeah. you, don't, you don't consider yourself to be good looking. In, no, uh, ugly person, not good looking maybe, but ugly person in everything I am. I'll tell you why. Akhi, I live with a bag on my stomach, bro. I'm insecure to a whole different level. So right now there's a bag in your stomach. There's a bag right here, Akhi. And yesterday. It, and was that because of the stabbing? Because of the second stabbing. Second stabbing. Akhi, yesterday. I come back from Bristol, I had a talk. Coming back from Bristol, I'm on the phone with a meeting with a couple of brothers. Me and the brothers are talking, I'm starting to hear stuff. My engine's going a madness. Subhanallah, this never happened to me. I pulled over, my engine's smoking. Well, you told me about this, bro. Do you understand, okay. yeah. everywhere. And the brother that actually picked me up, he's what here. Was it? was it a head gasket? What was it? head gasket? Is it a head gasket, yeah? Yeah. yeah. It blown. <laughs> smoking. The whole motorway was just smoke. I had to pull over. On top of that, Akhi, when I stress or when I'm panicking, Akhi, there's overflow in my bag. Akhi, mm. wallahi, by the time the brothers come, they said to me, bro, before the recovery people come, come and sit in my car. I said, no, I'm going to sit in my car even though it's dangerous until the recovery people come. Akhi, the whole time, with all due, no, without being detailed, yeah, I had waste all over my fires already leaked. That's why you want to sit in your car. This is what I'm saying, Akhi. I'm embarrassed for myself, let alone people around me. So when people say to me, oh, Akhi, but you got the confidence, like, like I can see you got the confidence, you can get married again. No, women will get married to you, but you don't know what happened around, you know, behind closed doors. I'm mentally battling a madness. I'm constantly paranoid. At any smell I smell in public, I automatically assume it's me. And I straight away do this. And people think, no, nah, brother, like my man's walking around like he's cool. You don't know what the, my mental state right now is fried. It's not there, so and you, this is one so of the how, reasons. How, how you holding up? I think ever since my mother passed away, I've been I've been in a different zone, and I remember, um, like I said, the brothers here with me, and one of the brothers that's here right now, he was actually there when my mom passed away. Allah you know, she I passed mean, away in Mecca. Yes. Allahumma amin. And um, I remember. The brother kept on, we became close after he came back to the UK. He kept on telling me, bro, fix up. Take some time. Take some time. I was doing everything. I was doing talks there. Talk, just to try to distract myself. Because I know when I stop, that's it. I'm going to go into this panic mode and mental state is going to be destroyed. The brother kept on warning me day in, day out, day in, day out. Then there was a day I was coming back from Luton or somewhere. 
and I went through Epping Forest. I landed in a ditch. My whole car was in a ditch. And then for three hours, I just stayed in the ditch. I said, you know what? I should have listened to the brother. And I just broke down. I keep crying. And you know when you're in the middle of the forest and you're like you're literally shying to the top of your voice and you're hitting the steering wheel, you're punching everything around you and this and that. And after like three hours, three and a half hours, I called up the brother and goes, you know what, I, I need some help. The brother came to me, took my car out of the ditch and he kept on saying to me, I told you, bro, I told you, fix up, fix up. You're going to need time with Allah to grief. If not, Allah's going to put you in a situation where you're going to have to turn to him. And it was that ditch. And even though straight after that, me and the brother was making jokes, thinking, bro, we need to catch a deer just to laugh about it. But you understand? Allah showed me the, yo, come back to me. Stop, stop avoiding me. Come back. So whilst you're addressing thousands of youth about fixing up for those who are already in a particular lifestyle, no. advising those who may find aspects of that lifestyle attractive, whether it is the bravado of being part of a gang, yeah, uh, the drugs, the money, the girl, whatever it is, whatever aspect of it is, and as your following has grown quite organically, I'd say, no, very numb. what are you doing in terms of managing not delving into uh, dramas online. So for example, things like refutation, <sighs> is this brother a Salafi? What's his background? What's he on? Who, who, who gave him the Egypt? Let's make it clear, Akhi. So, so these kind of things. Let's what? make it clear. I'm upon the Quran, the Sunnah, and upon the understanding of the companions and the Tabi'een. Making that clear. Do I call myself a certain sect? No. Why do you Why do you have to do this this year? Because it's not the first time you've done this. Why do you feel the need to do that? Because Akhi, look, Akhi, I'll give you a prime example, yeah? I went to Southampton a few days ago on the weekend. Mm -hmm. The brothers here with us. Yeah. Actually, six brothers, six guys that were Shias, they came to my talk. But they were scared to enter the masjid. And guess what the name of the masjid was, Akhi? Abu Bakr Masjid. So you think to yourself, my bro, if I allocate myself to a certain sect, yes, we follow the Salaf, but I'm not going to call myself Salafi because Salafi is upon action, Akhi, not lip service. Mm -hmm. You get me? Man can say I'm this, I'm that. But your actions, your etiquette, your manners online goes completely against what you're preaching, bro. Or what you claim to be. So why am I going to call myself? Akhi, I am Muslim. You want to go in depth? Quran, Sunnah, the companions were Tabi'een. First and second generation. Leave me be, bro. If I now label myself to one sect, Akhi, do you think those Shia books would ever, uh, boys would ever enter a, a masjid by the name of Abu Bakr? I said to you, my fix up, come in with me, bro. They came to the masjid. Mm. So my talks, I got non-Muslims coming to my talks. Yesterday I had a talk with Abu Taymiyyah. There was a boy by the name of Isaac, 16 year old, bro. Took his shahada. Am I now going to label myself a certain sect where certain men are not comfortable by coming to me because of what they've heard certain sects are upon online, mm -hmm. refutations, mm -hmm. and bashing people left, right, and center? And I'm not here to say, Ikhwani, we need, all need to sit together and, and, and you know, uh, sing the Ringa Ringa Roses. No, bro. I understand I've got to keep away with certain sects because of their manhaj and their mindful and their mentality and mindset. But bro, let me ask you. So, if a dear bandi must message ask you to do a youth event, would you go? Well, not I'll go. Okay. But who the hell to tell me who where I can and cannot go, bro? Okay. 
I'm going to tell the youth to at least come back and pray your five daily prayers, bro. Because it gives me comfort. Have you experienced any issues relating to this? Of course. Akhi, there was a, there was a situation uh, not too long ago, Akhi. Mm-hmm. I said in my video that someone came to me and said, Yeah, Amen. Put the aqidah aside. Put the manhaj aside. Put the salah aside. Yeah? I said this. I said someone said this to me. But he said one of the reasons why the ummah is suffering and disunited and we're all over the place is because of broken marriages. I said, bro, explain yourself. He goes to me, broken marriages is leading to women not having a father figure. So now the girl is doing a madness on road. Hijab is gone. The boys, because the father ain't around, what's he doing? Drug dealing. The mother, there's no support. So now the woman's getting bashed around by her kids because she's got no authority over them. The father's gone. So he was breaking it down. What did these men used to do? I mean, so guess what they did online? They cropped out me saying that someone came to me to tell me this and said, yeah, Aki Amos saying, put the Aqidah side, put the manager side, put the... To, to basically stress that it's not important, yeah? Yeah. I'm, okay. I'm going to catch you in your maqiyama, inshallah, yeah? I'm going to snatch my haqqa out of your chest, inshallah. So, so, so was that your first experience of online There's reputation? There's been quite a lot. There's been quite a lot. The same thing. Why don't you call yourself a Salafi? Mm. There's a reason. Shout out to Shamsi. Yeah, Shamsi actually came and you could say Dean checked me. Actually, there's a video that came to me. You said you don't call yourself Salafi. Da, 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 da. I explained to him why. I said to him, I got people that are Alawis, Yazidis, Shi'is, non-Muslims, Muslims, people that don't even pray five daily prayers. They come to my talks. I don't call to nothing apart from the Quran, the Sunnah, upon the understanding of the companions. He says to me, don't call yourself Salafi. He said, no, bro, my actions don't show that I'm Salafi. I'm still wrong in what I do. There's yeah. certain traits that I still have are far from the Salaf. So why am I going to disrespect the Salaf by calling myself a Salafi? Do you understand? Mm-hmm. But people crop their videos out, this and this and that. They attack me. And the Salaf, uh, sorry, Shamsi, Marshallah came back, gave me a few books. He said to me, I understand now. But he said to me, you should be more open about it because the more you're open about it, the more people are actually going to be more respectful of you and appreciate that. So, you know, we had that conversation. We exchanged numbers. That was it. But you got people around him now that are doing a madness. And I know Shamsi don't have a problem with me because he's got my number, he would have advised me. And like I said to you, I take from anybody that brings me closer to Allah. Alhamdulillah. I don't care what you're on, bro. Yeah. The same way I couldn't give a damn about what Umar al-Khattab used to do. These men used to bury their daughters. Islam came and honoured them. So therefore, look at the status that Islam gave them. Are we still going to bring up their past? Yeah, of course. And there's that famous statement of Umar al-Khattab. He goes, Allah, Allah honoured us with Islam when we were disgraced people. And if, Allah we, seek, Akbar. if we seek honour in anything else, Allah will disgrace mm. us. So we know this, bro. Allah Akbar. And listen to this, Diddy, just before you go on. I made an apology video. Why are you still bashing me after the apology video, bro? And you used on my apology video. Abu Taymiyyah called me up. Amen. Rectify yourself. I know how it looked. I'm with some brothers right now. These times he's in Canada. Mm-hmm. Amen, just rectify yourself. I said, Sheikh, Jazakallah khairan. This is the true meaning of brotherhood. You make a mistake, video got to him. Amen, do your thing. Yeah, the believe- None of these men contacted yeah, me. Yeah, the, be- the believer is a mirror. Yeah, the believer is a, the mirror of one another. Naam. And we know that deen and nasiha. The religion is Allahu advice. Akbar. Allahu Akbar. Um, staying on the topic of uh, gangs, violence, disunity and stuff, right? Um, depending on where you grow up in England, mm. you know you could be you could be raised in parts of let's say Luton or Birmingham, um, parts of the north where it's 
exclusively one group yeah or exclusively muslim only gangs and the, and the majority of the the beef and the and the fights is intra-muslim meaning it's no. between muslims no there's other places where you get mixed gangs mm. we will have muslims in gangs with non-muslims and there'll be mixed gangs elsewhere right yes because of the nature of how muslim gangs emerge in the uk in the bigger cities is initially as a reaction to protect your neighborhoods from racists no that's how the first generation our forefathers my father arrived in the 60s that first generation their first battle was the racists no big up to you man by the way the second battle was then looking after the area against pimps and drug dealers and so no. forth until your sons became the drug dealers themselves yeah what would you say to this to some extent, you need Muslim gangs and gangsters to look after the area. 110%. As long as... Because even if they are bad haramis, jahil, it is better to have our guys protecting a manner than, let's say, non-Muslim gangs who don't understand the culture. Yes or don't no? Don't understand, okay. Because I've, I've heard this argument. Now, my argument is there is a limit. If you're looking to have gangs and they're according to the Quran and Sunnah, and upon the understanding of the companions and they do it to their best of their abilities I'd, i wouldn't want to call them gangs but i'll call them a circle of brothers yeah that really care about their community but here we talk we're here we're talking about brothers who will enjoy the good and forbid evil in society yes. i'm yes. talking i'm not talking about those I was about proper gang gangs i'm talking about brothers who are, who are shot in gear who are involved in violence who are involved in in the underworld in whatever levels they are that mm. it is they're actually an, essential to the ecosystem no. of the hood meaning if all the brothers fixed up in an area in a muslim majority area if yeah. all the brothers fixed up you know you know the you know whether studies or ilm or work or business or something then who looks after the area people come run amok in the area mm. that, that's i get you i get you in that sense i get exactly I, your I, point. I know london has not experienced this as much no because it's, it's a melting pot but speak to people in the midlands and the north Bruv, gangs and stuff is very, very divided and very race specific. You're very honoured yeah. when you're in a gang, I'm not going to lie to you, because you stand what's right and you know you won't allow anybody to violate your own kind. Mm. Or your own, and your own kind as well, Muslims. Mm. Forget about the race, Akhi. Yeah, the Muslim. 100%. But the only issue is, Akhi, and I'm going to say this as well, Akhi, when you start to having gang members that are Muslims killing each other, there's no point of having these guns. Do you understand? So that's I my next question. What do we do about that then? Because when you said you met that brother who became a Muslim in prison, you saw him at the train station. Yes. Right? Yes. How much does that even matter? Because there's brothers killing he, brothers in Birmingham. No. There's brothers killing brothers in London. I've read endless stories, brother. Endless story of a Muslim killing another Muslim. No. In Birmingham, I've heard some wild stories with some of the Pakistani gangs there, bruv. Right? Just, just shooting. Okay, look what happened up north. Up. Yes. With that sister in the drive-by. Outside the car wash that got killed. That's it. Man, because that, you're doing I a drive-by. I, I think I was Sheffield or something up north. Somewhere. Yes, yes. Um, I think you shared it as well. Yes, we shared I that remember. story. So, so, so these kind of incidents, how much does it actually matter? No, no, it has a big impact, Akhi. So let's talk about that. It, so... So let's just say exactly what you said. You got gang members there, and it doesn't allow anybody from different areas or different blocks or different estates, wherever it may be, to make sure they can't ride out on you because you got the Akis there, and that's how it was kind of in my area. We were doing bits. So even I give you a prime example when our pagans enemies, yeah, this is the word 
that are used on road, yeah? When our enemies want to ride out on us, the only place that they could catch us is where? The mosque. But you never pulled up because out of fear. So Allah gave them that fear in their hearts to never ever think you can pull up on the Akis. So in that sense, it's a very good thing. But when you got now killing the street code over drugs and people are dying over drugs or postcodes, we are weak. We become weak. I'll give you a prime example, Akhid. There was a boy that I met in jail from London. I'm not going to mention his area, but I think people could know what I'm talking about. There was a boy that actually was going out, riding out. His cousin was going out to ride out at the same time. Mm. He pulled up on his on one another, but both of them are ballied up, thinking they're both enemies to one another. They both ended up stabbing each other, Akhid. Then they ran away. One of them died, Akhid. The other one is inside the hospital getting attended to. As he's getting attended to, the same boy that he remembers poking up because he could recognize him through the clothes he's wearing, but this time his mask is off. Guess who's the one that he killed because he can recognize him from his clothes? His own cousin, Akhi. Blood, first cousin. Why? You go down the path of now you just on this revenge or you see blood. And what's killing our Muslim youth nowadays, Akhi, is spice. Yeah, the legal high. Massive in prison, massive on road. Bro. Cheaper, cheaper selection to cannabis. Even weed. Akhi, even, I know a couple of men that are growing. Not Muslim. Let's make that clear, yeah? couple of men that are growing, Akhi. Do you know what they say? They say they, ur- they urinate on the plants. So when men are smoking it, Akhi, that, that's doing bits to their head. Itself is wrong, but when you're urinating on your plan and you're doing a madness, or come on, Akhi, it has a big impact. So, yes, you can have Muslim gang banners that are protecting the areas to make sure that no one could ever pull up, like them EDO guys. Mm. You men are going to be put in your place mm. in a peaceful manner. You take it to violence, Akhi, we're going to come back 10 times harder than you, bro. We got the heart, you don't. Let's be real. How much does religion actually matter when you're riding out on a guy over drugs? Of a turf, ah, but we know how much you should matter. No, that's not the question we're asking you. We know how much you should matter. No, the rights of the believer. Yes, you know the Prophet he mentioned that the believer is safe from the from the tongue and the mouth of his brother. No, that's just speaking ill of him, let alone killing him. Killing him, right? So how much does that actually matter in reality? Where next I'm going to owe you twenty twenty five over a couple of keys or something? No, it doesn't matter. Yeah, at that point it doesn't matter. No, gone, gone. We're we're far gone. The generation is only getting dumber and watered down. Their Islam is getting watered down, and the generation's mindset regarding basic aspects of life and education is getting dumber. So when you have both of them that are getting watered down, which is the Deen, Mm -hmm. and also the aspect of normal day to day mentality and survival. You're finished. As Muhammad Hijab would say, you're finished. <laughs> Shout out to you, bro. Big up to the brother. Uh, let me ask you this. How much of what we've just discussed has been influenced by uh, drill music? Because the drill genre, the UK drill genre, it's at its golden time. It's at its peak time. You know, I've hosted a couple of drill artists on the show myself. Imam Shakil, who we mutually respect and love. My uh, guy. He's engaged rappers. Um Muslim and non-Muslim, no. even the Muslim ones who are still publicly in the industry. How much have how much of what we've discussed in terms of the people that are Shabab getting dumber, killing and resorting to violence at the drop of a hat, where perhaps previous generations would exhaust things before you rock up on a man's yard, 
or where you rock up or you get his family involved or where you or you get above i'm telling you previous generations the knife and going to a man's yard was not your first resort bro. 100 percent. these are like last resorts bats tools hammers cool punch-ups one-on-ones all of that but the moment <coughs> the moment arms out to your mom's house and all of that happened bruv on a regular as a first thing things have gone pear shape mm. so how much do you think drill music that's 95 percent look music we already know just due to the frequency is evil a man that works in the music industry could tell you just the, from the frequency it changes your mood completely. Do you know who told me that first? Uh, Omar Issa did. Is it? Yeah. Okay. Oh me, yeah. He said a specific frequency that all music has that basically just mashes you up. Yeah, hundred percent. I'll give you a prime example, bro. We were listening to some AR Ab. Yeah. From Philly, when we were going to ride out, but you're seeing red. You understand? Like you're really out here trying to put in work on man and you don't give a damn. You want to see man six foot under. That's the impact it had on us. When we were youngsters, actually, what, 16, 17 years old, from the age of what, 14, 15. We're listening to my man because he's gassing up your head to such a level, you don't give a damn about the consequences that happens after. What about uh, Tupac's hit him up the end bit? That's a mad one, isn't it? That's, That's a mad one that, still. That would that, be, be used for riders till years to come yeah man actually come on my mama's talking about mothers and baby Ch mothers children and children getting kicked off I, I, bro look at look at the impact that it's doing on you bro so mum would say that look we had to pack biggie the east coast west coast beef we had the jar rule and 50 beef no. we had the nas and jay-z beef hip-hop and music actually because i know people get very sensitive about genre of music i know the brothers in the industry that get very touchy about it but we're saying that Violence-based music, which glorifies drugs, gangs, violence, and sex, that's been around for years. Hundred percent from Grime Days. I don't know if from, you remember exactly, Grime course, Days. Yeah, Channel You and all of that. Yes. Yeah? So it's always been there. So why would we then single out drill? Because of the violence that they're talking about. Achi. There's a Muslim rapper that talks about Bismillah before Shankim. That's a mad one. Achi, what's that all about, bro? Achi, well, uh, Bismillah before you shank him, and the man that you shank is a Muslim. Achi, bear in mind, the Muslim that kills another Muslim for no reason, Achi. There's no Jannah for you, Ak. And also that, my dear brother, we forget that in Islam, there are a, a handful of crimes where there's a had for, like capital punishment. hundred. One of them is murdering a Muslim. hundred, Achi. You'd rather get punished in this world than in the Akhirah. hundred percent. Bro, behead me if you want to, bro. 100%. If I ever do a madness. By all means. So we forget that sometimes for, you know, if youngsters are listening to this podcast, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, capital punishment, meaning death, it's only for specific crimes. I, yes. I, on top of my head, I think there's only four or five. Yes. Of one of which is murder. Murder. Of another Muslim. No, Unless the family. Forgive you. Forgives you and also to ask for blood money. Yeah. That's about it. But Akhi, honestly speaking, yeah, and this is, this is just a message to the youth, yeah. Akhi, return back to Allah, man. Your parents are the ones that are suffering. On top of that, your own soul is telling you, I don't want to be in this position, Akhi, because I can guarantee you, if you was in a Muslim country, you wouldn't be acting like this, bro, because you already know the punishments. But why do we fear the punishment of this land? Because we're in the Western world, because you know you're going to get locked up for life. What about the punishment in front of Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala? And you know it is? I feel like, I feel like, and I'm, and I'm going to be honest with you, bro. My area, Lushim, a lot of men were 
in different gangs, but there were certain things that brought us together. And one of the things were, if not the main thing, was football. The moment the council sold that power league or whatever, mm -hmm. made it private, well, everybody jumped on road, Achi. The same guy we went to school with is now want to stab us and we're stabbing them. It happens. So when you're taking these livelihood from the people that they've had experience and memories from, but yet the only thing that brought them together is this power league or the the the, the youth clubs and so on and so forth. Coming together to kick Come, a ball as brothers. You know what I'm saying? And you've taken that away from them because now you've changed them into flats or you've changed them into uh, offices and so on and so forth. But you're the one to blame. And that's what's ruined. I must speak for my area. That's how Lucian was. But no matter how far I went, Imam Shakir was the only man. He's a legend, bro. Achi, that goes to different blocks and squashes beef. Yeah, Imam Shakir was a legend. There's not you can't get better than him, yeah, bro. The people don't make him like that. But Hafizullah, I mean. Allahumma amin. Um, but staying on this issue of dual music, right? The, the reason why I'm asking and persisting you on this matter is because one of the arguments would be that look, you know, drill is a reflection of our life. It's our experience of life in the estate in the block. Mm. And when we're riding out on ops and all the other issues pertaining to next man across the estate and so forth. So it's actually an artistic expression. Mm. And I'd rather be in the studio making music and going and licking shots and, and, and be at the threat of, of being harmed. But Akhi, with all due respect, you're making the music because you're licking shots. So these men, if they're not living by the code, which is the code of what, Akhi? The code of... Um, uh, what's it called? The code of... Um, the roads, like you're drug dealing, yep. you're committing zina, yep. you're uh, in the band or making sure you got some crackheads working for you. Drinking, sessioning, partying, every, lean everything. and all of this stuff. Yeah, yeah. Hold on. If you're not doing none of that, what are you going to be in the studio rapping about, bro? You have to be. And if you're a waste man then you and a jewel artist, you're a fake you, bro. So you're now randomly come out of nowhere, you're rapping or about things that you've never done. And then when you get pulled up on it. What about rapping about things I did? Rapping about things, Akhi, you're exposing I, your sins, bro. I, I used to do. Akhi, you're still exposing your sins, bro. Why would you want to talk about your past life, Mo? Have you engaged Muslim rappers? Akhi, I know many of them. One of them is M. Huncho. Shout out to you for not ever showing your face. One of my closest, which is very close to my brother, is Jan Ads from Lusham. A lot of men, especially recently, he came out with a tune called Pakistan. He yeah, said yeah. some lyrics. I don't listen to music, so I don't know what he said, yeah? Same. But some people are writing it in the comments. Yo, Aki Eamon, you need to talk to him. Why do I need to talk to him, bro? You think there isn't people of knowledge behind the scenes that are not advising him? Mm -hmm. That's his trials and tribulations, bro. But because you hear I'm from Lucian and I've once upon a time said, so I know young ads, all of a sudden you want to go down the path and say, I say, bro, make dua that Allah guides him and guides you. Because we're all sick and twisted in one way, bro. And so, we all need Shifa. So you know Hancho? I know Hancho. Seen him without the mask? Of course. Amazing brother, uh, one of the reasons why I said to him, why do you wear a mask? I said, okay, but when I start, because that's his fitna, music is his fitna. When I stop wanting to do music and I come back to the deen of Allah fully, I want to be able to walk down the street and no one know that that was me. I respect him for that, bro. He goes and takes his mother to shopping and so on and so forth with no one ever stopping him. I get overwhelmed with people trying to stop me and take pictures and ask me questions. And I'm a nobody. Imagine these rappers, bro. Let alone get the, you know, they see who you are, especially underneath the mask. They're going to bombard you, Akhi. Mm. So I rate him to that. Bringing the podcast to a close. 
<clears throat> we mentioned it earlier on in the discussion, and that was the passing of your mother. May Allah have mercy on her. Allahumma I mean, Um She died in a blessed place, a place where millions of Muslims make dua, I mean, beg Allah to take us in that location. Uh, one of the reasons why I bought you one for the 100th episode is because the 50th episode was with my dad. Allahumma And the reason why I did that was because to demonstrate the importance of fathers and parents. Agreed. And when we spoke on the phone, I said one of the reasons, besides the whole fact that you're trending and you're blowing up on that, was actually because of the passing of your mother and to link it to the ending of season one, where I did it with my father. Tell us a bit, I know you've spoken about this, I know you've written about this, and you said earlier that you were in a mad place, you were doing events to kind of not mourn and grieve. What was the initial feeling when you heard the news of your mother passing? I got a phone call just before um, the talk and I said, mum's very unwell. Bear in mind, I'm picking up the next day. This was on Saturday. On Sunday, I'm picking up first thing in the morning. I get a phone call saying, bro, like, mum's very unwell. Like, make dua for her. I think is is looking pretty bad. So I stood in front of the audience, or sorry, sat in front of the audience in the masjid and I told them, brothers, before I start, let's all make a one-minute dua. My mother's very unwell. And um, we believe this is life or death. Like this, this, this is what we've been told. And then um, these times I, I got told that her heart has already stopped, but they brought her back. Alhamdulillah, when the situation happened, there was five people around her. Two, three of them was doctors and two of them was like a CPR trained nurse and so on and so forth. Like they were there. And then I kept on getting phone calls. And then my mind was, my mind, I feel my mind knew, but my heart didn't want to accept it. And I'm seeing the missed calls because I had a little stand there. Mm. I'm seeing the missed calls from my brothers, my sisters from Birmingham, from Manchester. They're all calling me. And I didn't want to accept it. I don't want to accept it. I was like, yeah, but... It ends over and over and over again. And then when I got the FaceTime now for my brother that was with my mother, I said, Alhamdulillah, you know, this is good news because why would he FaceTime me? My brother FaceTime me and he's talking to me. Yo, salam alaikum. I can see he's a bit teary, but I can't listen to him. So I put the phone to my ear and he's like to me, bro, I'm going to say this once and once only. And I'm going to hang up. I don't care about what you say after. I said, go on, bro. And he said, Akhi, our mother has returned back to Allah. And I, everyone there knew because I told them to make dua for her. And I think for a very long time, I was just crying by myself. And I'm not, I'm not saying that people needed to come and comfort me because I think everybody was such a shock. And I'm glad that the camera cut because the next few moments after that, Akhi, it was a very hideous sight. I couldn't control myself in the masjid. I was going ballistic. And how long did this feeling last in terms of like, you know, when you said earlier that you were trying to keep yourself busy and not allowing yourself to grieve. How long did that f feeling of loss, uh, remorse over anything that you may have regretted as a son, how long did all this last? Because there's a saying that we never stop mourning or grieving our parents. No, never. We never. 
there's always a moment in the day at the bare minimum where you ponder upon your your mum or your uh, dad who's passed away but how long were you blocking the grieving process i think it took me about maybe six seven weeks subhanallah and then and then it was that time when i fell in the ditch i just let everything out even though i used to cry every night mm. but it wasn't like this type of cry and um and the last time i done it was actually a few days ago is when we buried that 16 year old boy and after giving the reminder i walked away alone and i just had to lay it out i don't want to do it in front of the people i just walked away further into the graveyard and just just laid and i had two bodies beside me because i'm laying in between two graves yeah how much regret did you have because again this is something which most conscientious believers and even non-muslims would have this that i sucked as a son i gave a hardship i i i know ifs and buts are from shaitan and we are told from the sunnah not to think of ifs and buts so everything's qadr but as sons we always reflect upon how could we have been better um and the difficulty did you punish yourself over that as well of course i felt like it was never enough and i remember i had a kitchen plan coming for her because i'm good with my house i like to do construction and so on and so forth i already built her a porch very big porch loved it Allahumma barik. she even used to take pictures and she used to take pictures and send it to her friends and say look i'm very proud of what my son has done and then um i had the kitchen coming from her for her on thursday but and she was meant to return on sunday and then you just go to show that nothing was enough. My brothers always did stuff for her. And it's like six months before she passed away, Akhi, we did so many things with her. We took her every other week. We took her to restaurants. We took her to theme parks. It's like Allah was making it, like preparing us that, yo, she's coming back to me because for a mother to give birth to 14 kids, Akhi. SubhanAllah. And she buried seven. And on top of that, wherever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala threw at her, she was patient. And there was one ayah that she kept on repeating no matter what. And the ayah was Allah. I only complain of my grief and my worries to Allah. I only complain my grief and my worries to Allah. No matter what her, her husband and her kids put her through, this was what she used to say. But there was one moment where I felt like, you know what, I need to step up as a son. Is when my mother was washing up one night. And I snuck downstairs. I just wanted to see what my mom's doing, but she's washing up in the kitchen. And I could see it. She's got something playing in the background. Always athkar, always athkar in the background, during cooking, during sitting down, during whatever it was, it was athkar. And it was a few words. And the words were, and, and this goes a lot. It plays up a lot in my mind. And the words were, um, I'm ready to meet you. I'm ready to meet you. I'm ready to come back to you. And my mom's saying this to Allah. I'm ready. I can't take it anymore. And I kept re and I keep, I haven't really broke this down. And I'm like, what does she mean by this? Like, is she, like, she can't cope with what we put her through? Or is it the dunya that's been so heavy on her shoulders and the fact that her husband left her, mm. my father left her, and all of these things? Like, what? What was it that's telling you this? Because I can see your heart broken. And the year before that, her brother, which was like the leader of our tribe, 
with my cousins got killed. So she was she's never smiled like that before again, you know, after 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 their death. And we tried so many things after the death of my uncle and my cousins. We knew we needed to do things to distract her. But for her to say that, I think Allah said, you know what? You're ready to come back to me. And two weeks before she went to Umrah, she gave all the money away to her friends and said, if I don't come back, give this to my sons. It's like she knew, but we don't ever know when the angel of death is coming so for us, yeah? She knew, man. She knew. May Allah have mercy on her. Allahumma ameen. May Allah unite you all as a family in Jannatul Fardos. Allahumma ameen. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make it easy for all the mothers of the believers from the beginning of time to the end of time. Ameen. Allahumma ameen. What would your concluding words be to brothers, in fact Muslims and non-Muslims alike, who give parents a hard time, who give mothers a hard time, whether that be by choice of living particular lifestyles, which is clear-cut haram, whether it's drugs, whether it's zina, whether it's gambling, whether it's alcohol, whatever the vice is, the road life, what would your concluding nasiha be to the youth who give parents a hard time and basically take advantage of their good nature and take advantage of the fact that they're here today and they may not be ready for when they're not here tomorrow. What would your concluding advice be to them? Akhi, cherish your parents, bro. Because there's things that you will never understand until your parents go back or until you become a parent yourself. For so, many, for so long, we neglected our parents, their love, their care that they had for us. It's about time we actually build that relationship. And this is something that I hate the most, like especially on Eid. Or birthdays, even though we don't celebrate birthdays, but you got man them are mainly going out there to spend more time with their companions than they do with their friends. I mean, so that that they do with their parents. Eid is never going to be the same for me. Nor is my birthday. Nor is Ramadan. My first Ramadan went Akhi. I went into Lucia Masjid to pray uh, Salatul Tarawih for the first night. Akhi, the way I felt. I said to myself throughout the whole Ramadan, I'm not coming back here to pray Tarawih. Because every single day after Tarawih, we used to walk back with my mother to the car. So for the man that are really watching this, bro, cherish your moment. I don't give a damn how much sins you've done. If they're still alive, there's still a chance for you to make a difference, bro. For the sisters, spend more time with your mothers. Build on your own etiquettes based on the etiquettes that you get from your mother, your manners, your character. And for the brothers, spend more time with your fathers, man. Because they they sacrificed a lot. And something I'm very jealous of, Dili, yeah? Is the fact that I've never ever had a good relationship with my dad, meaning outside of the household. Like going to the shop with him, going to football, because my dad's paralyzed, bro. The one I used to, so when I see mandem that have a good, healthy father and you still avoid and neglect doing things with him, it puts, it puts a, like a nasty strand in my, in my heart towards them. Like, bro, what are you doing, bro? Because you didn't have that. I never had that, bro. My whole life, my dad's been disabled, bro. My whole life, my dad's never went to the park or kicked a ball with me, bro. Or come and watch me football. Do you understand? And you have a dad. 
and your dad might be crippled or your dad might be disabled or your dad might be with a hunchback but he's doing shopping and you're neglecting him. Bro, fix up, Ak. And I always say this, bro. And the English say this, you don't know what you have till it's gone. Famous. And I went, yeah. Famous English saying. Famous, Ahi. And when I went to the burial ground two days ago, Ahi, and whenever there's a janaza, I try to go. Reasons being, Ahi, to today, I've never seen my mama's burial. My mother's buried in Mecca. I'm going there in September. And I haven't grieved until I see her body. And I think that's when it will start for me. That's when it was going to be like, you know what? Mom, I've tried my best and I'm sorry. I'm sorry for the lonely nights. I'm sorry for the times you came to see me in jail. I'm sorry for the times you came and spent your time with me in the hospital while all of me and my brothers got stabbed up. It was your mother that was by your bedside. While all the men them come to show their face just for a little buzz to see you in the hospital. It is your mother that has the sleepless nights in the hospital waiting for you to get off that life support machine. And when I woke up after nine days of life support, bro, the first person I saw on the side of my bed slumped like this was my mother. When all the men them got back to their jobs and their girlfriends or their wives. It's the mother that stayed. It's the mother that completely forgot about herself going home to have a shower because she's not leaving the bedside of her son. My dear brother, it's an absolute honour having you on. Jazakallah, khair and dili. And I pray to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, honestly, genuinely, bro, because I know how much the passing of your mother impacted you. And I know that it will have lasting effects in terms of the way it will shape you in the path that you're currently on for the good, inshallah, my brother. Allahumma, Allahumma, ameen. Jazakallah, khair and And it's an honour having you on, my dear brother. Habibi, may Allah bless you, akhi. Ameen, ya Rabbi, ameen. But, Dili, I would say one thing as well, my bro. Towards yourself, Akhi. Bismillah. No matter what anybody's saying about you, because I know there's a lot of khara. Yeah. Let's be real. Out there, that's being said about every single one of us. Yeah. If you don't have haters, Akhi, you're doing something wrong. 100%, bro. We know that. So, just remember that. And, um, at the same time, Akhi, no matter what they say about you, just remember that you're, if they're slandering you and backbiting you and that, Akhi, you're getting their good deeds, bro. And sometimes we need that, bro. Wallahi, we do. You know, one of the ways in which I, I know, I don't mean to digress right towards the end, but it's an important point. When people slander you and they commit ghibah against you, us as perpetual sinners ourselves, we need that. In fact, it could be those incidents and those hasanat that we take from the people who slandered us that will save us in their judgment. 100%. That may tip Allah the wings, girl. 100%. That's a better way to understand. You know, I was in the last two years, I've practiced... Oh, next man said something about you. No. I heard this in a WhatsApp group. Mates mentioned in a video. All these kind of things that happen. I said, Alhamdulillah, bag it, bag it. Because I need that. I need it on the scales. Wallahi. Because the amount of sins we've committed, we need relief elsewhere. And if that means people need to chat about man and hate us and, and, and take our rights, halas, you're doing us a yeah. favour. And that's the first thing you said to me. Akhi, let them talk, bro. I did. Let them talk. Just continue on your path. And that's what that I'm going to do. Because it's, it's part of the package of the path that we're on, bro. Alhamdulillah, man. Jazakallah. Allah, you know, as my older brother, I appreciate your advice you've ever given me, especially from the Facebook days till now. It's only right that we proper sat down the way we did today. Alhamdulillah, definitely, bro. And and, and continue this brotherhood from this day definitely onwards, dear, inshallah. Inshallah, my So, barakallah, feek once again, my brother. And the honour was all mine, my dear, inshallah, you're going to see me much often, inshallah. Definitely, my dear, bro. Sakhla khair.
My dear brothers and sisters, I pray you all enjoyed today's episode as much as I did. I just want to say a big thank you and a jazakallah khairan to all our viewers and listeners who have been following this journey since 2019, since we dropped the first episode of the Blood Brothers podcast with uh, Imran Munir from the Mad Mamluks. And we've dropped 100 episodes over the course of three and a half, four years. It's been crazy and inshallah I'm looking really forward to season three. And none of this would have been possible. None of this would have been possible first and foremost without the permission of Allah Azza Every good and every bad and everything that happens to us and those things that we have sphere of control over and those things that we don't have a sphere of control over is all with the permission of Allah. And secondly, with the generous support of the Ummah, Five Pillars readers, viewers, listeners, brothers and sisters, I look forward to seeing you for season three of the Bad Brothers podcast. Until then, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Blood Brothers Podcast, a five-headed production. production.